Hello and welcome to Up is Down, Left is Right, Theater Jones podcast. I am your less talented co-host, Brian Wilson, with my more talented co-host, Mona Lisa Amadar. Hi, Mona Lisa. Hello, I'm rolling my eyes. <laughs> How are y'all doing? <laughs> Today, we are very fortunate to have Lucas Halpert of Millennial Poison Theater Company. Uh, Lucas is putting on the residence of Craigslist at the Margot Jones Theater. It opens 214. Uh, so Valentine's Day plan, check. You're going to go see this show, listeners. Uh, runs all the way to 223. Lucas, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about Millennial Poison Theater Company. Was this a fridge poetry magnet inspired name? Um, or is there a story behind it? Like, tell us about the founding of Millennial Poison. Uh, yeah, there is a bit of a story behind it. So um, it first started with the idea that uh, I, I noticed like just the way that theater was produced in DFW, how there were so many people making their own work happen. And I was noticing that like other companies were putting on shows that were like traditional, like classical theater stuff, you know, like you've got, you know, like you've got the classics theater project or you've got, you know, Garland civic theater, all of those different, all those different companies. And they're all putting on like more traditional shows and I thought, well, uh, I wonder why there's not a company that's putting on like more contemporary stuff, like the stuff that was written in the last six years or so. And one day during rehearsal for a show I was doing, I said, I'm going to stage the show. I'm going to start my own company. I'm going to stage gruesome playground injuries. Um, and they're like, okay, do it. And so I did. And uh, so what would happen is that I partnered with my friend Danny Haynes and we talked about starting a company because at first she said, I want to start my own improv troupe. And I said, okay, do you have a name for that? And she said, yeah. Now, are you ready for it? Millennial Poison. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's a really clever name for an improv troupe. And I thought, if she wants to start an improv troupe, what if we could take it one step further and just start a theater company all in general? And then we, uh, we tacked on my friend Elena Henry and she came on because she's got a lot of technical expertise. And so we started Millennial Poison Theater Company and we announced the creation of it back in February of last year. So actually it's, it's almost been in a, like a total, like three, six, five days since we first announced Millennial Poison. Um, and that's, that's how we came to be. Yeah. And how many shows did y'all do your first season? So our first season, we did three shows. Um, we started off with Gruesome Playground Injuries, like I mentioned before. That was staged over at the Core Theater in Richardson. Um, we decided to start off with Gruesome Playground Injuries because it's a cast of two. You know, just want to kind of test the waters. Um, the original cast was uh, Michael Breath Jr. and uh, Shelby Pretty. And Michael Brett Jr. is actually in the cast of Craigslist now, so we'll be get to we'll get to see we we'll get to see him again. Um, so we we did gruesome playground injuries. We staged at the core. We only did it for a weekend because when you're a small company, you only have so much money to put on a show. Yep. And so yeah, so we thought, okay, let's just let's just do a weekend. Um, and then for our second production, it was also at the core theater. We did Circle Mirror Transformation. Uh, by Annie Baker and that had a cast of five and what a beautiful show that was like that was where our company really started to kind of just break some ground um, 
critically and just like gaining an audience. There was one day where I just kept getting emails uh, during our Saturday run for Circle Mirror Transformation. Um, and I kept saying, order notification, order notification. This person bought tickets for the show, this person. And I was like, what's going on? And uh, we almost sold out that night for the first time ever. And it was like, it, it was mind blowing to see that just like it, it gained this much traction and to see all these people coming and appreciating what we're doing. Um, and then for our third show, we did uh, Constellations by Nick Payne. That was a bit more of an ambitious project. We put it on in a hotel meeting room. Mm. And yeah, and you know, if you if you know constellations, if you know the content of constellations, it's a it's a two hander, two person cast, um, and it basically goes through like several parallel universes, uh, multiple circumstances for these two characters. You've got Roland and Marianne, and they meet at a barbecue, and then when things don't go quite right, the universe resets, and then they meet all over again, and then the lines change. There's even a universe that's completely in sign language, which I taught our cast how to do uh, for that run. And when we put it on a meeting room, what we did is that we put it in the round and we put like, we strung lights all across the ground and uh, the audience essentially just became the stars in the universe. And so everybody got to see a different perspective for all these different universes as the play went on. Truly, it was just like, it, it's one of the most beautiful plays I've ever like I, I've ever put on and I'm really proud of it. And I kind of wish that we got to run it longer, but you know, you can only book a space for so long, especially when you're doing it in a hotel meeting room, you know? So happy first year anniversary, Millennial Poison Theater Company, and welcome to your second year. Um, what now this takes us to your first second year play, production, um, Residents of Craigslist. Um, what is uh, what is it about this particular play that that you wanted to, to bring to DFW community? Okay, so when I was in college, uh, we put on the Residents of Craigslist there. It was a black box show, and it, I thought it was, it was such an amazing play, and it was a found text play, and I thought the you could get all of this from Craigslist posts and it just filled ah. me with so much life. I like, I left the theater smiling, laughing and thinking so much. We had a discussion about it in my directing class the next day and it, and it just kind of changed my, like it blew my mind just like what you could do with that kind of, uh, that kind of theater. And I thought, okay, well one day maybe I could stage it myself thinking that like, this is like a super well-known play, you know, it's widely produced only to find out that like ERA theater, the original people who created um, the residents of Craigslist, they staged it back in 2015. That was the very first production. And then my alma mater produced it in 2016, just one year later. And we're doing the third ever production and it's the first production that will ever be done here in Texas. Um, and I thought, okay, well, if I can just somehow get the rights. So I, I just kind of like reached out to ERA. I thought, hey, uh, I really love the residents of Craigslist. Like the script is available right there on the site so you can read it. Um, you can read the very first the very first draft of the script. And um, I said, how do I go about getting the rights for the show? And they were like, we would be happy to send you the rights. It was about a month later, we finally get the email that's just like, hey, Lucas, thanks for reaching out. We would love to uh, 
to give you the rights to perform Residents of Craigslist. Just give us some time to draft up a contract. And from then on in, it was like, okay, I guess we're doing this. Nice. Um, yeah. It actually, uh, it, it tied into the whole, the creation of this entire next season because um, we like to theme our season. So the, this very, this first season that we did this past year was um, we themed it after bonds, you know, how people affect one another. And uh, this season is themed after desires. And I mean, what is Craigslist? It's people who are posting on the internet who are constantly wanting something. So it just seemed perfect. It seemed perfect. Talk a little bit about your cast. This is this from your description of your first season. This seems like a little bit larger cast. You know, I see that you have six different actors in this, and I know some of them. You know, tell us a little bit about you know the selections that you made, the people that you're going to have in your cast. So, when it came down to casting, it ultimately, I ultimately had to think about like what they would be saying in the script because the thing about the residents of craigslist is that no one's playing just one character you're all playing like they're all playing just like several different people who are posting on the internet so i basically picked out the pieces whenever they were auditioning i picked out the pieces that i feel like were probably the most prominent for their characters and i went off of that you know for instance actor one actor one was pretty simple actor one is representative of one of the playwrights um uh, Will Bonfiglio, he wrote himself into the play. So I thought, okay, I need to find somebody who has that kind of presence because they begin and end the show. Um, so that brought me to casting Ian McGee. Uh, he was actually our Roland for Constellations. And when he came back, he just, you know, he just had that presence. So I thought, you know what? He's, he's probably perfect for this role. Um, actor two is... <laughs> in a manner of speaking, probably the most lustful character in the entire show. He's, he's got so many posts that are about, you know, just like meeting up with women mm-hmm. and, you know, other things of that nature. And so I thought, okay, well, casting this might not be as easy. So I had them do a monologue about uh, like all the times they fell in love. And that brought me to Joel Freypart and he is our actor too. And like, he's, amazing in the role so i can't wait for you guys to see his work um actor three is michael breath jr uh who we had in gruesome playground injuries he so (laughs) when he came into the room he was originally auditioning for actor one and uh he just like he spoke with that he spoke that speech and i thought okay can you read actor three's speech and there's a stage direction that says, this guy is like a juicer on speed. Scratch that. He's on speed. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so I said, can you read this and observe the stage directions? <laughs> and he just ran all over the audition room. And he just, he went with everything that was written in the text. It was just like, you know, there's stuff like an asterisk, a smile. And uh, he just had so much fun with it. And after he read that role, I was immediately like, okay, I'm going to stop considering people for actor three. That's him. He, he's it. <laughs> um, yeah. The, uh, and they, all the characters don't even have names. Like, I mean, sometimes the posts will specify names, but they're ultimately played by actor one, two, three and actress one, two, three. Actress one is uh, Stephanie Ustale. Um, and, she's uh, i decided to give her kind of like i gave her a monologue that was kind of 
um, effervescent, kind of like classy and demands presence. And so when she delivered, I gave her a piece that was titled The Most Uncomfortable Chair Ever Made. (laughs) (laughs) And what does she do? She comes into the audition room. She grabs the chair in the corner and she starts doing just this routine that she made up on the spot where she's just sitting in the chair in all just different types of ways. You know, this is the most uncomfortable chair ever made. And it was so, so funny. And I thought, you know what? That's it. I, I mean, I got to cast her. She's willing to just, 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 you know, like be upside down in a chair just for a read. <laughs> it was just, it was so fun. Um, actress two she's got a lot of rants. She's got a lot of rants about people. And so I gave her a piece about uh, talking about, talking about people who like just are overweight and they're like, you know, I can't tell you how many times I see some fat person in a tank top and they're walking around. Oh no! Yeah. And so I thought, let me see who can handle this. She reads this piece and she sounded like a Netflix comedian. It was so, it was so funny. I thought that's it. You know, she's got that, she's got that attitude. Um, and actress three is Ginger Jones. Uh, her piece that she read was called Your Grammar Sucks. Oh. <laughs> and it's just like, it's this entire thing about like, okay, hello, I saw you at the Walmart on Younger Men today. It, and she corrects people's grammar for this entire speech. Oh, guilty. Yeah. She had, I, I feel like a lot of people relate to that because I understand. Like I was reading the speech and thinking, yeah, um, I would hate to, I would hate to read that. Um, and she was just say, she was so forceful. She had the, the presence of it. Like she said, this is perfect for me because I am a grammar, a grammar Nazi. I'm like, there you go. Um, and yeah, so the, that's how I approached the casting. Basically I had to, uh, I had to pick six actors that could inhabit the biggest pieces that they would have in the show because there are some pieces that are like page and a half long mm-hmm. and you know they they take forever so i uh, I wanted to pick the pieces that would make them stand uh, stand out the most because I think that's most representative of the characters like the actors uh parts in the show as a whole so there's that um how how did you go about rehearsals in terms of having, uh, you know, you've got your largest cast uh, yet to date um, and, and coordinating that? Can you tell us, uh, walk us through uh, just your, your process in terms of the rehearsal? Okay, so the way the Residence of Craigslist works is that you've got six actors and once they get on stage, they stay there. And it's a 75 minute show. So, you know, with everybody constantly on stage, it meant that with every piece that we do, um, we could call everybody all at once, Mm -hmm. especially because even if one person was speaking, there are also parts where everybody's speaking at the same time. Um, Yeah, they're like all lines. Um, You know, for instance, there's a piece called uh, Voice Like a Hurricane in uh, in the play. And everybody says... um, Voice like a hurricane, M for W, just like talking about the weather. And that's everybody all at once. And so even if you have a monologue, everybody is chiming in. And I wanted to make it so that every piece was interactive. So if one person's talking, the residents are also included in that. If one person's talking about just another person in general, every resident is the embodiment of the person they're talking about. 
when rehearsals were going on, it, it almost felt chaotic because of the way that the, because of the way the show, the show is structured or I use the word structured pretty loosely, but it does have a flow to it. So it was up to us to kind of figure out um, how that flow went, how every piece connected to one another. And uh, I think what we came up with just made it so much more magical. It made it, it made it feel like an actual play play rather than just some found text piece with a bunch of random internet posts. So that's, you know, the, the random internet postiness of this is, is somewhat intriguing. Um, yeah. And when you, when you talk about the theme is desire, I can see how this fits in uh, very nicely. You know, the, the Craigslist, you know, that one of the first iterations of this, I want everything. Um how, but, you know, with reliance on this, you know, internet platform and this quasi found text, um, I mean, how, how does the humanity kind of come through? Cause these are still characters, you know, they're, they're in some way bringing to life, just kind of our idea of just these posts on the internet, but how are you getting across like the, the humanness of these characters and the, and the desire on the other end of these, you know, just random strings of texts on the interwebs? Yeah, I'm actually really glad that you brought that up because it's a discussion that we have almost every single rehearsal. Every post was created by somebody in real life. Therefore, naturally, these characters are human. Where we find the humanity in it is really more along the lines of what is the basis of uh, of the show? It's everybody wanting something. So, you know, for instance, we would tackle a piece and there's one piece, I actually said this yesterday, uh, to actor two and I said okay so it says confirm that you're a sweet smelling humanoid and I said humanoid what kind of person uses the word humanoid and so I said just, just something to play with something to fig- uh, think about I mean I think that's really telling about a kind of person for, based on their word choice um, or uh, you know for instance uh, this is the most uncomfortable chair ever made I mean look at the the context of the the speech she's saying this is the most uncomfortable chair ever made. Normally, I would give this to you for free or I would pay you to take it off my hands, but it is so atrocious that it comes full circle and is worth something. And I think, what kind of person would post something like that? I mean, it's probably somebody who's probably somebody who's really arrogant, some, probably somebody who's kind of snooty, who understands the value of things even when they shouldn't have value. Um, it, it's all about just like finding the context of, uh, of these posts is finding its word choice. I think that's where we really approach the deeply human things in the in the show. For the most part, the show is a comedy, but there is a point in the show where it starts feeling less and less like a comedy, where we start thinking about the the basis of humanity. We start thinking about what we're actually looking for. You know, at the beginning of the show, everybody has something that they're giving away. But then as the show progresses, we start seeing that there are people out there who have nothing and they're actually seeking something else, which means that you go from uh, people who have everything to people who have nothing and want things. So it's, it's all about just kind of like discovering where, like where the deeper parts of the show, where the, where the deeper parts of these text posts are. And word choice plays like a huge role in discovering the humanity behind the people who post these things. Sometimes we look at text posts on the internet, internet and think, okay, this person's just crazy. Or 
who would write this? Or, you know, we just see it as just a text post. But very rarely do we actually think somebody is actually saying this. Somebody is actually typing this out, which means that there has to be some sort of humanity behind every post that we read. This makes me want to look up uh, residents of Facebook <laughs> because there's just so many different personalities online and reading all of the posts. Um, what do you, what have you discovered um, in terms of being a new theater company and uh, trying to, to fill in gaps and spaces um, in our existing DFW theater community? What, what are some major challenges um, and, and some new surprises? Ooh, well, let's see. Um, first off, it is so much harder to run a theater company than I initially thought. <laughs> and, um, but like, I think something that I came across was, um, how do you get the word out? You know, how, mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you make people aware that this is going on? And ultimately, how do you get people to come and see the work that you're doing? Right. You know, how do you actually de develop a presence? I mean, uh, there's no right answer to it. So all I could really do is just kind of play with whatever resources that I had, which was, you know, going on Facebook, you know, like Facebook groups on, uh, you know, about DFW theater or, you know, using social media presence as a whole, you know, we created an Instagram account, a Twitter account. We had our Facebook page. We created that all at once um, so that we would immediately create a presence. And we thought, let's also use our personal reach to get people to, be aware that we actually are out here and we exist and that we're producing theater, that we're not just like some, just like three people who came together and have decided that, Hey, let's try putting on a play. Um, we actually, uh, we actually wanted to establish ourselves as like, as a professional theater company, even with the, the name millennial poison. I know that there's so much connotation behind that, but like, mm -hmm. Uh, that's part of the reason why we we named ourselves that. It's part of the reason why we have the um, the belief that we should be putting on contemporary theater because there's so much to talk about in the world. Um, like, I think that's that's part of the big challenges. You know, people really want. You know, the the market is that most people want to see musicals. You know, uh, most people want to see things that they've they've heard about. Um, so if I say, hey, we're doing a show called Gruesome Playground Injuries, they think. That sounds interesting, mm -hmm. but to get them into the door to come and see the show, now that's the challenge. So ultimately, we just kind of had to, we had to work around whatever, uh, whatever issues we had in marketing and just kind of pull from our personal resources, which is, all, which is, you know, just the people we know or, you know, what we're doing right now, just talking about the show. Mm -hmm. um, so you had, you had your, your, first season productions in Richardson core theater. Is that located? Um, in terms of, of switching out venues and um, accessibility, is that something that, um, that you were wanting to tap into more um, in terms of moving it to Dallas from Richardson? Well, you see, if I'm being quite honest, our first shows in uh, Richardson were at the core because uh, James Prince, who owns uh -huh. the Core Theater, reached out to us and said, hey, um, so if you're starting a theater company, I'd like to help out. Yeah. And so we immediately were just like, hey, yeah, we, we would love that. So he reached out to us and 
we, we thought, you know, this actually would work. Uh, we have a space to perform. For Constellations, for a long time last season, it was really hard for us to, to it's really hard for us to actually confirm plans because we wanted to do Constellations. We already had it set up, but we did not have a venue. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so our company manager, Dylan Mobley, uh, came to me and said, hey, do you think we could use a meeting room in the hotel? Mm-hmm. So we went and saw the meeting room. We thought, this is actually pretty spacious. I think this could work. We thought, you know, theater can just be put on anywhere. Yeah. You know, if you've got the resources, if you've got the people, you can make it happen. So uh, as far as locations go, we're trying to stay within Dallas. Uh, mm-hmm. We are a DFW-based theater company, which encompasses a huge metroplex. But uh, we decided that it's easier for us as the, mm-hmm. the people who run the company, since we live in Dallas, to stage things in the Dallas area particularly. Um, but if we have to, then moving outside of Dallas is not a big deal. Like we do, like we say, we are a DFW-based theater company. Um, right now, this entire season, um, this entire upcoming season, is all at the Marco Jones Theater. So we're we're in yeah. Dallas. Yeah. And how many how many productions are you all putting on this season? For this season, we have four main stage productions, wow. uh, Craigslist included, included yeah. Um, we've actually even started planning for 2021 already. Like okay. we're, we're planning all this in advance because what we found is that if you don't plan these things in advance, then things get away from you and yeah. spaces get snatched up. I mean, there's like hundreds of companies in DFW and all of them are looking for a space to perform and some of them don't even have their own spaces. So you got to plan in advance, you know, you got to plan, okay, these are the dates we're looking at. This is the space we want. So you got to just jump on that. Yeah. Any plans for collaboration with other um, theater companies? Um, Actually, yes. So we were, um, we were reached out to by the artistic director for uh, the classics theater project, since they Mm -hmm. also use the Margo Jones for their shows. Yeah. And, um, and they said, Hey, let's, let's talk and maybe we can talk about like cross promotion with our show, uh, with yeah. our companies or uh, co-production. I thought a co-production because a show that I've always wanted to do ever since I read it um, is Arcadia by Tom Stoppard, which I think would be the perfect show to put on between mm-hmm. us and classic theater project. If the opportunity should arise because Arcadia, if you don't know the play takes place in two timelines, it takes place back in the 1800s and it takes place in modern day as they're trying to solve the mystery of what happened back in the 1800s. It's a beautiful play and the timelines just blur in the middle of it. And I, I've always wanted to put it on. And as somebody who uh, runs a company that's based so, uh, solely in contemporary theater, Arcadia doesn't seem like something that we would put on initially. But if we did a co-pro, then I think that mm-hmm. it would represent uh, both of our companies perfectly. So Lucas, uh, thanks a ton for being on the show. Like, let me let me give you an opportunity. Just a if you got a fifteen second here's here, dear listener, is why you should come see the residents of Craigslist, Margo Go Jones Theater, from two fourteen to two twenty three. Uh, this is why you should come. Get, get, I get a it, it's a little bit of yes and through this, and you know, part you, you guys started as an improv or at least partly improv. So what? <laughs> Yeah. So what's what's a what's a fifteen second improv on why our listeners should go see your show? If you are online 
then you will already find something that is relatable in this show. It's uproariously funny, lively, and thought-provoking. And it comes from the most hilarious and disturbing source, the internet. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I like it. Super. Lucas, thanks a ton for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Break all the legs. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Up is Down, Left is Right is sponsored by Republic of Texas Insurance. Specializing in affordable medical insurance packages for both individual performance artists and group policies for theater companies, Republic of Texas Insurance can handle all your life, health, and general liability insurance needs. Check them out at www.repubftxinsurance.com backslash arts. Up is Down, Left is Right is sponsored by the Shakespeare Everywhere Network. Shakespeare Everywhere supports artists all over the world in setting up their own theater company and provides marketing and ticket sales support, as well as helping bars, restaurants, and event spaces in booking shows at their location. Learn more at ShakespeareEverywhere.net.